<laughs> 50 years of hip hop. We doing it right here on uh, 103.5 WNHH on our Love Babs Love Talk on Babs Rose Ivy. Good morning. It's Tuesday. Oh, fall is here. It is uh, chilly. It's chilly. And I don't mean the country in South America. I mean, summer just came and then booyah, chilly. It's uh, it's fifty-eight degrees right now. It's cold. I think it's I think it's cold. You know, I'm not unhappy. Don't get me wrong. This is not unhappiness weather. I'm just saying, I I, I wanted summer to last longer and it didn't. So I gotta be good with that. Do you know what I mean? Like, I just gotta get over it. So I'm over it, but. I just felt like summer wasn't long enough. It wasn't summer enough. I probably would feel that way anyway. You know what I mean? Like, I'm going to feel that way. Because summer. Summer, summer, summer. Summer. Uh, uh, what's happening, everybody? It's a beautiful day in the neighborhood. A beautiful day in the neighborhood. Would you be mine? Could you be mine? Please won't you be my neighbor? So anyway, uh, I had to take my kid to the uh, emergency room yesterday. She fell uh, outside of Petals uh, a week, uh, across the street from where she worked. It was raining yesterday. You know, the leaves are down. She slipped, she fell. She thought she broke her ankle, but she didn't break it. Bad, bad sprain. So anyway, we go over to the ER. I pick her up. Her co-workers come across the street. She works for Yale Health. She comes across the street. They come across the street with the wheelchair, and they pick her up, which is really kind and generous. And then she calls me, of course, because mom. And uh, I take her to the ER. And I and I I pack my book and I pack some snacks because you know the ER is just not where you want to be on any given day. But you know the good thing was yesterday was Yom poor. so there was no school children out, no buses, none of that. Traffic was very light, so uh, I, I I was thinking maybe that would be favorable going to the ER. So we get to the ER. There's a line out. The, there's a line going in. I was like, oh here we go. Let's get ready for this foolishness. Um, um, I, 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 uh, I put the car in valet cause I was like, I'm not driving around looking for parking. And normally I would, but I just wasn't in the mood. Cause I was like, listen, I'm gonna be here for hours and hours. I just need to know my car somewhere and I don't gotta go looking for it. So I, I give the car to the valet people and, uh, I go in, they already have her in a wheelchair. She's like a few, few folks behind. They take her in line, um, and then they then they move her to rapid access. I don't even know what this is, but they move her to rapid access. Next thing I know, she's she's getting an X-ray. The orthopedic is there. Bang, boom, barao. Two hours in, we're out. I I don't know what to make. I don't know what they're doing over at Yale Hospital. I don't know if yesterday was an off day, but I have never in my whole life and I'm 60 years old and I've been in the ER with children, with friends, with loved ones, with relatives, myself, myself, myself. And I have never, 
gotten out of there under 20 hours. <laughs> Never, ever, ever, ever. We were in and out in two hours. Swear to God. The ortho, everybody was, I felt like I was in the twilight zone. People were nice. The staff was nice. Nobody was stressing. The, the, the nurses, the PAs, everybody was relaxed. They were in good spirit. I was like, I'm looking around. I'm waiting for cameras because I'm thinking I'm being punked or I'm on some reality show because this cannot be the ER that I know. Just it just it's just unheard of. Because I I had my book, I had my book, I had my snacks because I knew I was gonna be in there till midnight, and it was it was like one o'clock in the afternoon. I knew I was going to be in there till like midnight. Swear to God, hands down. I ain't even, I wasn't even fret, fretting. I just was like, let me take my book. Let me take some snacks. Let me just be ready to hunker down because it's the ER. Why, why would it, why wouldn't it not take a gazillion hours? Well, well. I was home by 3.30 in the afternoon. It was amazing. Amazing. And uh, she was seen. She was talked to. She was handled well. I mean, they was just x-rays, like x-rays. Like, you know how long it takes to go get x-rays in that place? She got x-rays. And then they loaded them up to my chart. So everybody saw them, all the peoples, everybody that had access to her chart saw them. The doctor, the PA, the nurses, I think the janitor saw them. It was amazing. Got in, we got out. I had to go on Facebook and post it because I was just outdone. It was freaky. You all right? Can you get in? So she's home today, but she but she had to go get a computer from the office, a laptop from the office because her laptop, for security reasons, won't let her access. So she's going to work from home today, maybe tomorrow. I don't know. Uh, but she had to go get it. Because <laughs> she got to keep the foot elevated so she can't be in the office and have her foot up. So so anyway. So Yale, I don't know if that's a new model or you're testing it out, but it worked. Two hours. Two hours. I, I wasn't prepared for two hours. It freaked me out. I was like, okay, yeah. If this is how the ER gonna be, I'm gonna come back. You got can you get by? Yeah. You got the computer? Woo. Okay. So she's working from home today. So, you know, so I'm not by myself. I'm she's working from home. I'm always working from home. So so yeah. So High five, Yale New Haven Hospital emergency room. We was in and out in two hours, under two hours. I, I've never seen anything like it, never. And this is my town. Like I grew up in New Haven. Like I've been going to the ER since I was a child, since I was a kid. You know, when the ER, before they didn't even have a children's ER. Now they got an adult ER, they got children's ER, they got a, a mental health ER, they got all kinds of stuff. So I'm just saying, I was pretty impressed. Now I got to have somebody from the hospital on. 
Dr. Churchwell is leaving the building. So I can't have him back on. He out. And uh, I had uh, the uh, the sister that came who was the COO or the C COO. Now she's doing his job too when he leaves. I think he leaves at the end of the month. At the, I think this might be his last week. So I don't know if this is under his leadership, but I hope they don't go back to the way they was doing business. And 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 let me tell you, so uh, the part where they had the rapid access used to be where sit, sitting area and vending machines were. So they moved all the, I don't know where they put the vending machines, I don't even know. But they moved them and uh, now it's just like little sectioned off areas where they can see you quickly. Like, so you don't have to go in the back anymore and wait in the hallways. It's amazing. I was impressed. Listen, I was like, look at medicine doing his thing. I really was impressed. I can't stress that enough. Two hours. Got there one, was out by three. I was just like, whoa. Because I was prepared to be there till like midnight. I, I thought it was going to be like midnight. I did it. I, I thought it was going to be midnight. So anyway, uh, that's the way of the world. That is the way of the world. So high five, uh, Yale emergency. Y'all did good yesterday. I hope everybody else had a good experience. Because I did. <laughs> I, I had a good experience. I was just like, whoo, I'm still talking about it. I'm still, to I, it freaks me out. I'm still talking about it. Still talking about it. So anyway, that's it. I don't have any coffee this morning. I don't have any tea. Uh, I didn't ground any beans for coffee. I need to ground some beans for coffee because I like some coffee. I've got one bag of Jamaican coffee left. Well, I got a Jamaican Blue Mountain hookup. So so I don't mind opening my last bag and grinding this coffee. We'll wait and see what happens. So, but I could always, I could always talk to Kay and be like, who coming from, who they coming from Jamaica? Bring me some, some Blue Mountain coffee. Cause you know, it's the best coffee in the world and it's pricey as all get out. But you know, I live with it. I live with it, I live with it, I live with it. So anyway, it's Tuesday, I'm up. Oh, and I and I, I I'm doing a little bit of laundry too, washing my uh my comforter. Gotta wash the comforter. I try to wash because the comforter is there. like I have a king size comforter. It's huge, but I have a big washing machine to dry, which is nice that my kids gifted me, uh, for Christmas when I first moved in. So so what I do is to wash it, I you know I fold it into itself and then put it in the. Because I don't have an agitator in the middle of the washing machine. I specifically didn't want one so that I could fit this kind of stuff in. So I don't have to take it to the laundromat. I don't still want to go to the laundromat. So so anyway, so I'm washing, uh, doing a little bit of laundry. And uh, it's going all right. So, so yeah, so and it's going to take me forever to dry this thing. Cause you know you gotta, you know, put it in the dryer for an hour, take it out, repositioned it, open it up, fold it back into itself in another way, put it back in for another hour. So it's gonna take about two and a half hours to dry this thing. 
and you don't want it to be damp. So I got time. I got time. I don't I don't have to be anywhere until seven o'clock this evening. Uh we're going to Firehouse 12 to see uh uh Dwayne Betts do a thing, do a performance at Firehouse 12. So uh that is at seven o'clock. So Dwayne Betts and Reed Turchy, um, House of uh Undending and uh Firehouse 12. So we're gonna go. We bought tickets. We're going to go to that this evening see, and just see. Plus, you know, Firehouse 12 remodeled. So I haven't been in there since they remodeled. So I'm looking forward to checking that out tonight. You know, and seeing. You know, it, it'll be a good... I'll be home by 10 o'clock. It won't be a late night. It won't be a terribly late night. So yeah, so that's tonight. I'll be at Firehouse 12 catching some interesting performances. Uh, tomorrow's the... Uh, Arts Council annual meeting, 5.30. That's not going to take long. I mean, you know, by 7 o'clock we'll be done. And then uh, the symphony on Thursday, it's the opening night, opening season of the symphony, so I'm going to go. And they're back at Woosley Hall, which is nice, which is really, really nice. So I'll be back at Woosley Hall, trying to get there early enough so I can park somewhere where I want. Um... And then I got the Lynx uh, um, uh, book club uh, uh, with the sister who wrote that book. Um, so she'll be on. Uh, and then Saturday morning, uh, I fly to Miami for Azaria and Meech's wedding, which is going to be such a beautiful thing. Then that's Saturday. And then we'll hang out Sunday. Uh, we'll hang. And then Monday, we get on a flight and come on back. We have an eight o'clock flight back. So hopefully the weather will be nice. And then Tuesday, uh, we're going to go see a play in New York. So much going on. <laughs> uh, so it, there's a lot going on. Uh, then next Wednesday, Goya, we're going to have dinner at Tim Cabral and Arby's new restaurant in Worcester Square, Goya, which is Italian for joy. And then uh and then Thursday, Friday, it's like normal time. Like normal. Like it'll be normal. So so it's an all-out sprint for the next few days through the weekend. So I need to pack a bag and see, see what's happening. Get me a little bag packed. I don't need much because, you know, wedding, uh Sunday. Monday back on the plane, you know. So, so it'll be nice. So we'll party Saturday night. Uh, we'll sleep in a little bit on Sunday. Hit brunch <laughs> with the fam, with the wedding party. Hit some brunch, and then uh, and then uh, Monday, get get our asses to the airport and get on home. So, so that'll be that. Do you know what I mean? Like, we'll be up and at them. So. Listen, it'll be fine. I could do it. It's going to be all right. It's going to be all right. Throw a dress in a bag, a couple of pairs of pants, a shirt, and uh, summer. Because, you know, it's Miami, so it's hot. <sighs> just trying to do, just trying to do work. <laughs> just, just trying to have a life. 
just trying to have a life, trying to do all the things, trying to be in all the spaces. We'll see what happens. So, how's everybody doing? Am I doing all right? This weather. I think I think we need an infusion of sun. These last few days have been Seattle-like, dreary and wet. So hopefully uh, we'll see some sun. If not today, tomorrow. I believe the sun will be with us. I think they said maybe this afternoon we'll get some sun. I don't know. Maybe, uh, I you know, listen, hope springs eternal. So, oh God, it's going to rain. So we got a little rain. Okay, maybe this afternoon it's going to be cloudy, cloudy, cloudy. Tomorrow we'll get a little sun. Thursday we'll get a little sun. Rain Friday, Saturday. So next week it'll be sunny. Don't worry. Don't fret, people. Don't fret. I hope everybody had a safe and uh, enjoyable Yom Kippur. I hope uh, atonement was everything you wished for it. Happy New Year. <laughs> and my sisters, uh, my Jewish sisters and brothers, Happy New Year. I'm paying attention to Bridgeport because, you know, Christine um, Bartlett Josie is on top of it. So I guess these uh, absentee ballots in Bridgeport are questionable. And I think they've probably been questionable since the sitting mayor has been mayor. <laughs> so, so, uh, so they on it. So it is, it is, it is uh, under heavy scrutiny. And, uh, and the, and the, the, the candidates, yeah, Christine's candidate is asking for a new primary and a new general election. So I don't know how that's going to play out. Um, my ears to the ground, but I have not had conversations. I've just been like, wow. So we'll see what happens. I mean, listen, we'll just see what happens. And uh, uh, we'll see what happens. Uh, they'll make, they'll render a decision one way or the other. And uh, I don't know, Bridgeport, it's a wild place, wild place. So I'm, I'm hoping for the best. They got enough eyes on this thing now. Like you, we, if, if uh, uh, we have to hold elections sacred, right? Because elections are the cornerstone of any democracy, particularly American democracy, because this is what we sling around the world. You know, we talk about uh, democracy uh, as a way uh, to to govern and to uh, uh, enjoy and exercise freedoms. So if we uh, here uh, do not uh, protect voting, voting rights, uh, voting machines, voting opportunities, then I then we have to shut up about voting around the world. I mean, we just because what we're saying when we don't. When we don't have equal, fair, legit voting in this country, then we're saying that uh, we're, we're not invested in uh, the kinds of freedoms that we hang our hat on. So, so, so this has to be looked at, and it has to be looked at uh, with with all deliberate speed. And it has to be fine to combed through it. 
right? To make sure that um, there's no impropriety. Because I think once people lose faith, and I'm not talking about that that Trump foolishness, which is dangerous in and of itself. Not that Trump foolishness that when they lose, they cry, oh, it's rigged. You know, not not that foolishness. That's just being a sore loser, not a good sport, and just being a terrible human. That's a whole other conversation. Um, what I'm talking about is uh, uh, the 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 and and it's the, it's kind of the same the abuse of power and the winning at all costs, even if I have to cheat to do it. Um, and and that's the Trump way too, right? Like. I'm going to win by all, by any means necessary, and I hate to sort of uh, uh, use that use Malcolm's words um, for these these egregious acts, but that's essentially what they what they say. That's a, that's essentially what's at the heart of this January six. That's essentially what's at the heart of Trump whining, you know. Uh, so so what you want to do is. Uh, Kind of make up your mind about uh, how we govern ourselves and how we uh, protect the right to vote. So I see the the Democrats, the congressional Democrats, are um, putting forth the John Lewis uh, voting rights um, bill once again. All these people that talked about how much they admire. Uh, John Lewis, <laughs> and the minute he dies, they want to go and undo everything he has done. They don't give a damn about the voters' rights or the civil rights or or any. Of... <laughs> Listen, with friends like these, these congressional friends, who needs enemies? <laughs> these people, these people are insane. So anyway. So it's all it's all tied. If we if we if we do not protect our right to vote, and I don't think we do a good job. I think we do a good job that we vote. I, no, I don't think we do a good job of getting enough people to vote, uh, because there are people out here that just and I I don't understand why they would think that it's rigged. It has never been rigged. Uh, we we've always enjoyed robust election, uh, except for gerrymandering and uh, Jim Crow and you know stuff like that. <laughs> we we all were under the under we were all under the belief and understanding that uh, voting uh, is necessary, is legitimate, and uh, it is the cornerstone of our democracy. But then you bring in this clown, this barking clown, this and and somehow or other, people are like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> These people that follow Donald Trump are the silliest, craziest people I've ever seen in my life. I I just don't understand it. I don't I don't understand what they see in him. I don't. I mean, I know what they see in him because they think that he really does uh, speak for them. And that um, he is really sticking it to whatever they think the establishment is. <laughs> they really do think this. I, I, you know, they just think that he, you know, I, one because he, 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 he 
he speaks so unintelligently um, that I think that resonates with people uh, because the majority of people in this country are not well-educated. And so when you're not well-educated and you hear someone that's similar in, 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 in bringing you information that, that seemingly feels like uh, uh, every man, then you gravitate toward that because no matter how far-fetched he sounds, he sounds as if he's one of you. And he's not, you know. He doesn't care about poor people. He doesn't care about anybody except himself, you know. And I don't I don't know why people don't see that. You know, it's like watching wrestling, professional wrestling. It's just fake. Now, when you watch children wrestle in schools, colleges, high school, when you that's real wrestling. Those kids are really wrestling. They they are athletes. But when you watch professional wrestling, it's entertainment. And uh, and I'm not saying they're not athletes, but it's designed for entertainment purposes. So it's exaggerated and it's not, they're not hurting each other. And it's not, uh, it's show, it's, it's, it's a show. It's like the circus. I don't know. I don't know why people are like this. <laughs> I just, I just don't know why people are like this. It freaks me out. And I, and I think it has a lot to do with the education system and, and the levels of education that people have achieved or not achieved or acquired and, and people's inability to sort of be well-read and uh, well-versed in things. Uh, that's, that's really what it is for me. Because when you know better, you do better. And when you, when you expand your, your intellect, then, uh, then you begin to see things a little differently in the world. You know what I mean? Like it, you're not your your ignorance is 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 becomes a smaller and smaller barrier to you. I mean, we all have some modicum of ignorance because no one knows everything, and uh, and there are things that I mean, like I I I could sit in a room with Neil deGrasse Tyson and and talk quantum physics. I I could do a pretty decent job, but if he's with his uh, contemporaries who are other scientists, rocket scientists and physicists and all that, it's going to be a very different conversation than the one he has with me because I'm not in that world. So I have some ignorance to, to, to it. So, you know, that, that you understand what I'm saying? Like, like I'm not going to go to NASA and tell these people how to be NASA. Now I could be at a cocktail party and talk about jet fuel, uh, what it takes, the trajectory of something. I could I could hold my own. You know, I, I've I've taken a few uh classes at MIT on quantum physics. I, I like that kind of stuff. I have a science brain. And and I sometimes I like to cultivate it. But that does not mean that I can sit at NASA and direct no astronaut. I that's it's not happening. Uh, I could ask pretty decent questions, I think, to a point. But but at some point, ignorance is just going to show up because that's not my expertise. I'm not well-versed or well-read in that, you know, even though I've 
sat in on quantum physics courses. <laughs> but that does not make a quantum physicist. <laughs> I have probably a little bit better than a passing understanding of quantum physics. That's it. <laughs> That's it. So, so I say all that to say uh, these Trump people freak me out. They make me nervous. I mean, they do. But anybody that sounds crazy makes me nervous. Like, I'm always nervous about you know these 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 zealot people on on any number of things. I don't like re religious zealots. I don't like political zealots. I don't like. Uh, uh, I just I, I don't, and I don't mean like people should be fall in the middle of the road. I like people who like to be open to things and are not wedded to an ideology to the point where they want to kill you. Do you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I'm, I, I'm the, I feel some kind of way about democracy. I'm not sure I'm going to kill people for democracy. You know what I mean? Like, and that, and maybe if we were at war, some kind of civil war, I don't have a choice, but, but, but not just go like stab somebody with a, a knife because they like Donald Trump, you know, in the way that the Donald Trump people wanted to kill people at the Capitol. Do you know what I mean? See what I'm saying? Like, I'm, I'm not that, I don't have that in me, um, the way that these people did. And, uh, and, <laughs> and I'm sure they all are regretting that that moment in time because they're going to go down in history as traitors to the Constitution, to the ideas of the of, of, of the American foundation and what this country was built on, uh, all for um, all because they were led astray. And, and I think for somebody to lead you astray, you have to have some weakness in yourself. Uh, and I know we don't like to talk about people's weaknesses, but you have to have some weakness in yourself to succumb to that level of brainwashing, I think. I think. I think you have to have some weakness. And I know we don't like to we don't like to talk about people's weaknesses uh, because it feels like we're putting putting them down. But but there's something to be said for, for weaknesses. Um, that people have weaknesses that they can't, they can't overcome, they can't get, or they think they can't overcome, and they think they can't get beyond. Do you know what I mean? It's like um, why some people are drug addicts and some people aren't. Why some people uh, are alcoholics and some people aren't. Do you know what I mean? Like th there are some people that have a weakness in them. For these kinds of things, or people who are pedophiles, there's a there's a weakness somewhere um, that that doesn't allow for uh, the overcoming, you know. Uh, and I don't I don't think we I don't think we spend enough time talking about weaknesses uh, and how they relate to how people cannot get around them for their own um, safety for their own uh, benefit, uh, for their own growth and development, you know?
I think about this. And we and I and I, I I'm one of these people, I think we all have a weakness. We all something there's a weakness in all of us. Some of us uh uh recognize our weaknesses and we and we we build some support around it so that the weakness doesn't drive the bus. You understand what I'm saying? So that the weakness doesn't drive us for some people. Some people, they can't do it. Uh, I, I remember when I used to run, um, when I worked for Rape Crisis Services many years ago, this was 30 years ago, when they were on Howe Street and Planned Parenthood was on Howe Street, the clinic, the Planned Parenthood clinic was on Howe Street. So I used to run Rape Crisis Services and I and I was in charge of um, um, uh, coordinating the hotline so people could call the sexual assault hotline if they were raped, if they were assaulted, they just needed to talk if they were having suicide ideation, you know, because they had uh, suffered some abuse or whatever. Uh, and then I would run support groups for survivors of sexual assault. And then I would run support groups for, yeah, I would I would run support groups for survivors of sexual assault. And I would also run support groups for their significant others and family members of people who survived uh, sexual assault. Because what happens is the person that the person that 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 survived sexual assault, yes, they they in bad shape. It's tough. It's but the people that are around them that you know were were uh, that are maybe their significant other or their children or their parents or whatever, they need some support too in how to move forward and how to be be with that person. Like so they don't so they don't say the wrong thing, so they don't, you know, so they don't blame them, so they don't so that because they have their own feelings of guilt and remorse and all this other kind of stuff. So so you want to give them the tools too on how to move in the world as a survivor, as a loved one of a survivor of sexual assault. And there are weak and I I I begin to see that there are weaknesses in people that for whatever reason, I don't care how much tools you give them, they can't, they can't overcome stuff. They just, they just can't overcome it. They just can't overcome it. And uh and 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 it's it's a it's a painful, painful thing, right? I remember thinking to myself, I I I cannot I cannot allow weakness to control my life. That's how I quit smoking, because I was a smoker when I was young. My nephew was born. I read this article that said, uh, uh, don't don't have cigarettes. The ills of cigarette smoke gets in your clothing and in your skin. So while you don't smoke around the baby, when you pick the baby up, all that stuff is in your clothing and in your skin. And so it's as like it is, it is as like you are uh just smoking in front of the baby. And that freaked me out. Because I love my nephew so much that I was like, and I had tried to quit smoking before and I couldn't do it. I don't know why I couldn't do it. I was like, I just, I just was I had a weakness. I couldn't do it. But when I read that article and I thought, oh, damn this, nothing is controlling me. Nothing is controlling me to the point where I can't kick this. I put them cigarettes down that day. I never looked back. 
never took another cigarette the rest I, I stopped right then and there when my nephew was, he was like, I don't know, like six, seven months old. Now my nephew has passed. He passed a year ago and I'm still smoke free because he meant so much. He meant more to me than cigarettes. That's what it was. He's, I just loved him so much that I didn't want to do anything to, to bring harm to him. Nothing. That's how much I loved him. From the moment that child showed up on the planet, I was like, oh no, 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 no. He's not gonna have any smoke around him. None. I'm not, and it's I'm not gonna have it in my clothes, on my hands, and my skin. And that's how so 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 I so I watch people struggle with their story and and be stuck in the story, and they just can't get past it. And that used to scare me to death, because I'd be like. I don't want anything to hold me like that. I don't, I don't want to, my, my will has to press me. I don't, I don't want to be, a, I don't want to, to be controlled. It's like, you know, when my, my hips were going bad and I was on opioids and I kept open up, upping the dosage because the pain was so great and I couldn't, you know, when the pain is so great where you can't sleep. They tell you you gotta you gotta up the dosage, and so I up the dosage, up the dosage, and uh, and and you know they tell you all they gave me Narcan because they were like you know <laughs> I was like what the hell is this they, so so you have to have when you got the kind of opioids that they were giving me you had to have Narcan with it it's still in my cabinet that the Narcan is still in my cabinet I never had to use it and they were like. Uh yeah. So and when you are on this stuff, you can't have any alcohol, uh, and you can't do any other drugs with it. And I was like, you got to tell me twice. First of all, I don't do other drugs. <laughs> and uh second of all, I don't have a drinking problem, so I can just not drink. <laughs> and I I for a whole year, two years, I didn't drink because I was on these damn opioids. So when I got off the opioids, you know, they start with this whole, we want you to be in the study. Are you still on the opioids? I was like, no, once, once, uh, once I had the surgery and I was only on it for the first, up until the first surgery, uh, the second surgery, I didn't, uh, I didn't use the, uh, opioid. So they were like, oh, so, um, did you just take lower dosage? I said, no, I just stopped. <laughs> and wait, so the pain team gets quiet and they were like, uh, what do you mean you just stopped? I said, well, I just, I just stopped taking them. <laughs> and they were like, you stopped taking the opioids? I said, yeah, I didn't need them anymore. Once I had the first hip done, I didn't want them for the second one. I didn't like them. I didn't take the full dose to begin with. I took half the dose because you're supposed to take X amount all, during the day. You're supposed to be doped up all day. I couldn't do it. I, I couldn't stand it, number one. I, just, I really could not stand it. I don't know how people could stand it, but I couldn't stand it. I really, really couldn't stand it. So, so they were like, well, we'd like you to be in the study because we don't understand how you could just get off opioids. I said, I don't understand how you don't understand how I could just get off opioids. I just quit. 
And they were like, you don't have no side effects? I said, side effects? Like, what kind of side effects? <laughs> like, withdrawal. I said, well, I, I don't I don't think that I was addicted to them. So I didn't wake up thinking, oh, man, I got to have these opioids. I took these things at a reasonable time in the day so that I could rest at night. That's it. I so so they made me run through all these questions and uh and then they figured out I'm not the person that they wanted in the study. <laughs> they were like, you are unusual and you wouldn't be helpful to our study. <laughs> swear, swear to God. <laughs> they were like, you are unusual and you will not be helpful to our study. And and we still don't understand how you just quit. I was like, I just quit. There, there's no secret to this. I just stopped taking them. <laughs> I hated these things. Oh my God. They're still in my cabinet. I've got all the dosages that they ever gave me, all of them. You know, you start out with this dose, start out with, I didn't know what to do with them. So I just, they're in my medicine cabinet. I didn't know what to do with them. I figured when the apocalypse come, I might need some opioids to get to people that, you know, they're in a bad way. <laughs> I, so so I, I understand I don't have a weakness for drugs I don't have a weakness for alcohol even though I drink a lot I mean I drink more than average people I think uh, but I don't have a um, uh, uh, like when they said when I, when I had to lose weight they were like well we need you to be up alcohol I was like okay fine and I just stopped drinking it wasn't a hardship. I was telling somebody, I said, I said, yeah. He's like, oh, that's going to be hard for you. I said, why is it going to be hard for me? I'm not an alcoholic. <laughs> like, I don't, I don't, I don't wake up in the morning thinking, oh my God, I have to have a drink. Oh my God, I need a drink. Oh my God. Now there are moments when I'm like, man, I really would like a good ass cocktail. Oh my God. I would love to have a good glass of Cabernet or a good Chenin Blanc or something, right? Or or good, good, good tequila, right? Um but I don't uh I don't I don't I don't I'm not I'm not freaking out because I can't have a drink. And I, you know, I was laughing with my sisters and brothers. Cause you know, I, I, I enjoy a good cocktail. I I like a good bourbon, I like a good scotch, I like a good whiskey. I like all these things, you know, uh, and I don't, I don't drink to get drunk. I don't, I don't get smacked. I don't go sit someplace and fall off a bar. I don't go to, I don't do that. Like, that's not my thing. You know, I have two or three glasses of wine. I'm done. Like, you know, and then I might end with a beer because I like a beer, but you know, so, so it wasn't hard for me. I don't have, I don't have that weakness, but I know people who have that that weakness and uh I, I don't know why I don't have it um everything would point to why I should have it I think mostly because in my mental state I don't I I I remember there was a time when I would run from the pain of my life but I was very young you know I was in my 20s and when I was in college I ran from the pain of my life and the memories of my life I I remember binge drinking and and all that but the, you know that was and and it fit in well with the whole college kind of thing but you know the other part of that too was 
I was at a historically black college. And if you know anything about historically black colleges, they're not playing with liquor on campuses. So if you had liquor on campuses, it was contraband. You were sneaking it in. So you know what I mean? Like at like private white institutions, people could drink all they want. It was always liquor around. Cause I went, I I spent time at Chapel Hill, North Carolina Chapel Hill partying, uh uh uh, uh Chapel Hill, Charlotte partying. So these kids would have kegs and all kinds of stuff everywhere. At an HBCU, if you had contraband, it was in your trunk under the bed, under 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 blankets. <laughs> you were sneaking it. So so the level of alcohol indulgence was not the same. It just was not the same. Now there were people who would get drunk as and be out in the quadrangle messed up. But that was not all the, not like at white institutions, the kids would just be drunk all the time, falling out in their, in their, in their quadrangles, drunk, throwing up, all that kind of stuff. Ah, my campus, I could tell you, I could count on my hand the times I've been so drunk, you know, that I had to be helped in my room. I maybe once, maybe one time, one time, you know, one, swear to God, one time. Uh, Cause that just, that just didn't play. You go to HBCU, they just didn't play. They didn't give a damn whether you thought you was grown or not. They're like, what you're not going to do on these campuses? And my school was a, pre- pres- was a Presbyterian. Uh, uh, you know, the, the, the Presbyterian church was was provided the leadership. Are you kidding me? You bring your ass to Vespers, sit down. So, so that's, that's what it was. So, so, so I, 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 you know, when I was in my twenties, but even then, uh, even then I, I, I knew I, I knew I had a, I didn't have a drinking problem. The problem wasn't the drinking. The problem was the running to the drinking for whatever it was that I was not dealing with, but I was a kid, you know, I was, I was, in, I was a kid, but once I started dealing with the reasons that I was drinking to block out whatever was happening, then I realized, oh, this is not what drinking is for. <laughs> and I stopped doing that. I worked on whatever the issues were. And then when I got married, uh, I didn't drink for a decade in my marriage because my husband was Muslim. And so we didn't have alcohol in the house. But I, I didn't stop drinking because I married a Muslim. I, I had already made a decision that I wasn't going to drink because I was working on my issues. And this was after college and before grad school. So I was already going down this path of enlightenment and uh, 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 self-care. So I was, so when I met my husband, he just folded right into it. And it just made me feel like, okay, this is the right path. So I didn't stop drinking because of him. I had already stopped drinking because I was like, let me get a handle on what is happening to me. You know, and once I got a handle, it it wasn't the drinking that was the problem. It was using the drinking to hide what I was feeling. You know that, and that's how I that's how I could realize that oh, oh, I could I could have a good glass of wine and enjoy a good glass of wine for the sake of a good glass of wine, not have a glass of wine so that I don't have to think about what has happened to me when I was a kid. You know, I didn't have to I didn't have to do that. So, and so that's the kind of work that I did all by my damn self. I just started doing that kind of work. 
listening to myself, journaling to myself, not being afraid. I would just walk through whatever what I was afraid of. I was just freaking walk through it. I'd be like, all right, let's face this head on. It's going to hurt. It's going to hurt. But I'm going to face it head on. Because I, because at the end of the day, at the underneath all of this, I hated anything that had control over me and my freedom. That that was that really was what it was. If anything had a hold over me, over my freedom and liberation, I had to address it. And that's how I got to work on uh, uh, all the sexual assault in my life that's what i did so that's what i did that's how that's how i that's how i did it so so we could get everybody to sort of take a tact of what what can i do in my own life to heal the things and i never believe that people heal heal i don't i I just don't think i don't think you can heal something you just can't heal from but I think you, there are some things that you can make space for so that it doesn't become the boogeyman under the bed. You know, the very thing that you're running from. You just meet it face on. Like, okay. All right, monster, I see you. I see you, monster, for what you are. Sit down. You want to sit down? Okay, you sit over there. <laughs> and if there's another monster, okay, monster, you sit over there. <laughs> so that you can see all the monsters in the room. That you're not trying to hide from all the monsters. You see them. All the boogeymans. You see them. I see you, boogeyman. I see you, monster. <laughs> Sit over there. Sit over there. <laughs> you, can't out, you can't outrun these things. You can't. Because they're going to catch you. They're going to catch you. And when you outrun things, that means you are not paying attention to your surrounding. You're just running. You just running. So I, I, and I, I tried that and it was, it was, it was not to my, in my good interest. So once I just like, all right, I'm going to stop running. And that's what I did. I just stopped running. I said, let me just, I stopped running. I turned around. I was like, okay, monster, <laughs> monster one through 100. Okay. <laughs> Come on, sit with me. Okay. Now, wh- why are you scary? Okay. Let's work on this. And then, okay, next. Okay. Monster number 80. Why am I scared of you? Okay, all right. Then we're going to work on that. Monster 100, okay. Why am I afraid of you? Okay, okay. I see you. All right, boo, get out of here. <laughs> that's, that's, that's how I did it. That's what I do. So now I have no problem. I face every fear. Every fear, I face it. I don't put it off. I don't make excuses. I was like, all right. Okay, okay, monster. You back again. You come back around. All right. Okay. Let's let's tussle one more time. Let's get into it. Okay. Why am I afraid of you? Okay. All right. Then when I kick its ass, I'm like, oh man, why was I afraid of that? Ugh. Let me get on with it. That's it. So I'm going to take a break. Me and my monsters, we're going to take a break. I'll be back. the fan. 
game, but not the cover of Newsweek. Oh well, guess beggars can't be choosy. Wanted to receive attention from my music. Wanted to be left alone in public, excuse me. But wanting my cake and eat it too. And wanting it both ways. Fame made me a balloon. Cause my ego inflated when I flew see. But it was confusing. Cause all I wanted to do is be the Bruce Lee of loosely abused ink. Use it as a tune when I blew steam. Woo! Hit the lottery, ooh, wee. But with what I gave up to get, it was bittersweet. It was like winning a used me. I'm fine because I think I'm getting so huge, I need a shrink. I'm beginning to lose sleep. One sheep, two sheep. Going cuckoo and cookie is cool key. But I'm actually weirder than you think. Cause I'm, I'm friends with the monsters. Told me to seize the moment and don't squander it Cause you never know when it all could be over tomorrow So I keep conjuring Sometimes I wonder where these thoughts born from Yeah, prime for the two you want There's no one if you're losing your mind The way it wants I think you've been wandering off down yonder And stumbled on to Jeff Van Vondren Cause I need an interventionist To intervene between me and this monster And save me from myself and all this conflict Cause the very thing that I love killing me And I can't conquer it My OCD's talking me in the head Keep knocking, nobody's home I'm sleepwalking I'm just relaying what the voice of my head's saying Don't shoot the messenger I'm just I'm friends, friends with, with the
blinding, curves need blinders So they could step out of bounds quick The sidelines is lined with casualties Who sip the light casually Then gradually become worse Don't fight the apple Eve Caught up in the in crowd Now you're in style And in the winter gets cold In vogue with your skin out City of sin It's the pity on the whim Good girls going bad The city's filled with them Mommy took a bus trip Now she got a bust out Everybody ride her Just like a bus route like that i'm cool like that i'm cool like that i'm cool like that <laughs> hey did you know that uh september is uh national sickle cell awareness month so if you're up at the uh new haven if you're up at the innercitynews.com uh, we've got a, a piece up on sickle cell disease in the classroom because um, you might be a teacher or an educator that want that needs to know how to uh, deal with kids uh, who have sickle cell, and so I've I've uh, my sisters and brothers, my my youngest my my sister and my youngest brother carry the trait, um, but they don't have the disease. But when you carry the trait, you you have some remnants of uh, uh, issues that kind of show up a little bit. Um, sickle cell. My sister was having some some immune issues uh, a few years back and it was as a result of uh, 
uh, the sickle cell trait. So just so you know. So anyway, there's a whole piece up by Black Health Matters uh, that we put up talking about uh, the challenges that sickle cell disease pose um, to the developing brain of children, um, how they affect their education, uh, and misconception in schools um, that kids with sickle cell disease um, um, have. And so uh, so if you want to be up on it, just go to uh, innercitynews.com. It's up on the uh, on our main page uh, because it is uh, Sickle Cell Awareness Month. And uh, if you need more information, you can contact those fine folks at Michelle Obama's house, you know, Jim Rawlings and crew. They just had a wonderful uh, uh, fundraiser uh, at Woosley Hall um, Jazz. Um, the other night, I was I was at the J- Jamaican American Connection Gala, uh, celebrating, and but there were other folks at Woosley Hall celebrating with the sickle cell anemia folks, and so uh, I'm telling you, there's enough activities in this town to go around for everybody, and it was fancy. It was a fancy event. People were dressed up to look beautiful. I think it was pretty much a sold out deal. So, um, so you can catch it. I believe uh, somebody from the arts paper covered it. And uh, I, I, it'll probably make its way into the inner city sometime this week. Uh, but, but check it out, seriously. Check it out. Check it out. Check it out. So, if you want to, if you want some sense of uh, what Black people are doing around the country, uh, go to the inner city news. Uh, we try to compile and curate enough content um, to keep you thinking about uh, and talking about what is going on in other parts of the country where Black people are, and and. And we do a roundup of what's going on on the continent. We try to round up as much as we can uh, what is happening on the continent. So, so you know, I just want you to know. <laughs> I just want you to know. I just want you to know. I just want you to know. Uh, I just want you to know. We 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 doing it. So uh, so theinnercitynews.com. Check us out. We've got some national news. We've got some international news. And by international news, I mean anything that affects um, black and brown people uh, beyond uh, these United States. So I just want you to know. I'm on it. I'm on it. I take it very seriously. (laughs) So click on our homepage. You know, we give you news. We give you opinion. We give you entertainment. We give you sports. We give you black history. We're going to give you black history, baby. We're going to give it to you. Uh, and then the uh, and then the latest edition, the digital paper is out. So so if you if you want to catch some of the di- digital paper, and on the this this week's cover, uh, last week's cover is the uh, uh, the Dixwell, the Dixwell Beulah Heights Beulah Heights folks are on the cover. So and then you know we had the Freetown Mayor uh, folks were on. Uh, we got them on the inside of the paper. Uh, they were here. She was here in town visiting with our sitting mayor. Uh, uh, let's see. So, yeah. And then there's all kinds of stuff that's going on. Like, if you want to know about uh, the Brain Injury Alliance, they got their 19th annual Walk for Thought. So you might want to check that out. Um, it's going to be October 1st from 11 to 2, Northwest Park, Manchester, Connecticut. Um, there's some stuff going on, um, building better futures. So you can, uh, uh, workplace, 
workplace.org. So you need a job, you need some training, get you some. Um, we got a piece on the, gov the governor uh, launching a prescription discount program. So there you go from the Connecticut News Junkie, because, you know, we dig them. Uh, child poverty doubles nationwide and the debate rages over tax credit. I, I don't understand why we are still having conversations about how to get kids out of poverty. Uh, Rosa DeLauro showed us how to get kids out of poverty and then we undid it. So uh, I find that troublesome that uh, we don't care enough about kids to lift them out of poverty. And by lifting them out of poverty, we lift their families out of poverty. So I, I don't I don't understand why we are so hell-bent in keeping people poor and without and less. I I I don't I can't I don't have the answers for that. I mean I, I have an idea. I have ideas about why that is. And it's rooted in white supremacy and racism, but you know. Uh Yale versus Morgan State. So you know, this is the uh this is the harmony classic, you know. Go for the tailgate, stay for the game. <laughs> I'm just telling you, this is, this is, now I, I've not gone to any uh, Harmony Classic games between, uh, the, uh, that the NAACP does in, in relationship to Yale. Um, I don't know, I don't know why. Always, forever and ever and ever, I always have something to do on that day. So, um, but it's 12 o'clock and it's, uh, you might want to you might want to check it out. So it's uh September 30th. Like and yet again, I will be on my way to uh Miami. I'll miss this again. But y'all go and have a good time. Let me know how it is. So and and if you've never got a taste of an HBCU band up live in personal, Morgan State will give it to you. They'll they'll bring you some. They'll bring it to you. Uh COVID infections are on the rise in Connecticut prisons. We've got a problem. We've got a problem. Pay attention to this because if you see it in prisons, you're going to see it in other places. Because guess what happens? People go in and out of prisons. The people that work there, they, they, they're they there, but they're not there. They're not locked down. They have to leave and go home, leave and go home, leave and go home. So uh, let's pay attention to that. Seriously, you want to pay attention. Uh, let's see what else is going on. Yeah, so so there's a whole piece on Beulah Heights, which is uh, I I didn't realize they were a hundred years old. I I did not know they were a hundred years old. So wow. Uh Samara Joy, who was going to be at the Jorgensen. You know, I love her so much. I just can't take that ride to Yukon. That it's over the river and through the woods. I can't. I really would want to go, but I don't want to go. You know. And then at the guards art, uh, guard the guard art in New London, uh, ballet Hispanica, Hispanico, that that would be worth seeing, you know. And I just was up in New London for a day retreat, so it wouldn't be nothing to just shoot up there. And then the the Buena Vista Social Club. Now, if you if you've not seen them or heard them, I mean they are amazing. There's a whole Netflix thing on them. But uh, they're going to be at Bridgeport at the Klein Auditorium, which is, I, you know, I was thinking about the Klein Auditorium. It's an easy venue. They got parking in and out. Um, so I was thinking about it. I have to see if we have tickets. If we have tickets. I might I might consider going. Like, when is this? October 27th. So I got like a month to think about this. <laughs> <laughs> ah, ah. 
uh october 6th festival of laughs uh so if you like comedians and i don't uh i like comedians like when i watch the specials i don't like being in rooms of comedians i know i know i can't even explain it either child it's just what it is and then the stuff that's coming over to uh let's see who is this uh the sterling farms theater complex in stanford so they're going to do beautiful the carol king musical and uh and away we go um september 8th through the 24th and then the 22nd through october 14th so i've never been to that venue so it might be worth it uh and then the gala the uh jack gala already happened so uh, the michelle's house walk run bike race that would be fun uh so so i mean there's a lot there's a lot going on do you know it has been 60 years uh it's the 60th anniversary of the birmingham church bombing um uh, 60 years so so this is right at the time when i was i don't even think i was born yet when this happened i think i was born a month later when this happened and i could i bet you i would imagine that black people around this country because that's an act of terrorism were nervous about going to their places of worship even though they went and they would not be moved and deterred um you had to believe uh, that when you saw this on the news you, you you just had to believe that this was the beginning of the end, right? Like if they would kill children in a church, what might they do next? You know, that had to be the thinking. Uh, it had to be the thinking. So it's just, that's uh, a lot to wrap your brain around. But we are 60 years out from that. 60 years out and still, still. And I don't think we're any further with uh uh, racism and hatred in this country. So, ah, well, and uh, just just on another note, there are a record number of black quarterbacks um, have starting positions in the NFL for the 2023-2024 season. Just keep that in the back of your mind as we as we think about how far we've come, how far we've got to go. And we're still making inroads into places where you think uh, we we shouldn't we 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 should have already made inroads, but uh, sports and particularly football is still uh, one of these one of these things that you're just like, huh? So and then on the back of the uh, inner city is the uh, the New Haven Public Schools Early Childhood Programs. So if you've got school readiness age children, three to five, I believe. Uh, and you and you want them uh, in a in a you know if you got if you if you got some free money if you got some there's some free slots available there's some sliding sliding scale slots available. Um, I'm a I'm a I am a big proponent of early child education, big proponent, huge proponent of early child education. So. Uh, I think, you know, if you can get kids learning and reading and holding books, that that's the beginning of a lifelong love affair of reading and and seeking education. You know, if you can get them early, that really is the beginning. So so I just I just so if you if you're if you want the digital paper, the inner city, uh go to our Facebook page, the inner city, inner city, but just do a search, you'll find us. Uh, and we have two pages. 
So uh, the inner city news and I think the uh, inner city New Haven. So, but find us. Uh, you'll get a you'll get a, a lot of information for free. <laughs> get a lot of we'll give you a lot of information for free, baby. We we bring it to you free. It's coming in hot. So, uh, and then I'm gonna run over to the arts paper and see what's happening. <sighs> you know, I didn't get a chance to go see um uh, uh, unbecoming tragedy in artist life's journey. You know, because it was competing with um um Terrence Riggins did this piece a show, and it was it was really competing with a lot of things. So I couldn't I couldn't uh, get my way to it. You know, but I, but I'm so glad that the arts paper covered it, and you know they're very thorough. So when you read it, you feel like you are, you are there. So, uh, so, um, so I'm gonna pull it. I'm gonna see if I can get my hands on it um, for the uh, for the inner city for this next edition that comes out Wednesday. So. And then there's a jazz series at uh at the Red Hot Firehouse Twelve, so uh I'll be there tonight for uh Dwayne Betts, and uh and what he's got going on, you know I I love when you can marry genres, you know poetry and jazz. I'm 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 all about it. So uh, but the jazz series is something else. So. So there's a whole uh, calendar up at uh, firehouse12.com. So go to firehouse12.com. Their, their, their jazz season uh, is from uh, Friday, September 15th through Saturday, December 16th. So there's ample opportunities for you to catch all this jazz. And they remodeled that space. You haven't gotten to Firehouse 12. They are blocked down from Cafe 9. So it's swanky. Whereas, you know, if Cafe 9 is like a dive bar in the musician's living room, well, Firehouse 12 is uh is the uh, you know, the fancy front room uh, of musicians. <laughs> you know, they they're the ones with the plastic on the furniture, right? So <laughs> it's just it's just nice. <laughs> and and their restaurant is uh vegan. So you can get you some vegan food if you if you feel so inclined. So so uh, yeah, so they got they got some good acts. So if you're in the mood, uh, catch something, catch something, and the tickets are reasonable. I mean, it's a swanky evening, it's a swanky space. Go and get you some jazz, you know. Seriously, you know, be all moody and fabulous. So I'm gonna try to catch some more stuff, you know, because I I dig them so much. Uh, but I get to go tonight to see the new space. And, you know, the new, the Firehouse 12 is a recording studio where you can sit in and have a concert. So I can't wait to see what they did and how they tricked it out. So so maybe I'll get there early and we could have dinner or something or other. You know, that that would be nice. That would be, that would be really, 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 really nice. So we'll see what happens. I, I'll let you know tomorrow. <laughs> Oops, I'm in a. You know when you when you when you have you have two computers and two keyboards and two mouse, you just like hell. So 
the bar, the bar of Firehouse 12. So let me let me let me look up the menu and see what's happening. So yeah, they're open, which is nice. Which is nice. So they're open, the kitchen is open till 10. So uh let me check the menu because I might I might want to eat tonight. I don't, the show doesn't start till seven. So if I get there at around six, I could eat. Right? Like I could get something, I get something to eat. Let's see. All right. Give me the menu. Give me the menu. All day. All day. I, I don't know how this goes. You know, sometimes, you know, you have these people have these fancy things and you have to click on them and you're like, okay, what am I doing? <laughs> like, what? Like, how we, what, what can I click on? Okay, let me see what's happening. Okay, show menu for today. I'm trying. It's not letting me be great. I, I don't know what's happening. I don't I don't wanna I don't wanna take out. I wanna I wanna see what you got so I can sit there. Do I have to do I have to um okay, so if you like to receive your delivery without any contact. No, I don't have any of that. I wanna I don't want stuff delivered. I want I want to see uh what you got. I don't know. They just got this. Or maybe they don't let you uh Maybe they don't let you um I don't get it. It's not letting me do anything. Huh. Huh. Okay. Yeah, I know you deliver. I don't want anything delivered. <laughs> I I I don't want anything delivered. I I want to uh I want to eat it there. Okay. Well, I see stuff. I don't think it's all vegan anymore. It doesn't look it. Looks like there's meat. But I could be wrong cuz today Things are, things are, uh, things are, are different. Do you know what I mean? So I'm just gonna, um, I'm gonna, uh, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna put my info in and see what's happening. I don't I don't know what this is. Well, it's not letting me do anything, so oh well. What's up, Harry? News, what you got? What you got? What's up, Babs? Um, yeah, I got a couple of things. I know I always end up coming in late. I don't know. Bl don't blame me, blame Babs. Okay. <laughs> I have to fight to get the few minutes that I do get. <laughs> You just go on with the most ridiculousness. <laughs> no, so I wanted to show you a a um a letter 
that uh -oh. this uh, little girl gave to her friend in fifth uh -oh. grade. Uh -oh. So it's not mean, is it? No. See it. <laughs> rules, rules, and regulations from Zoe to Noah. <laughs> oh, do not touch my shoulder. Do not get behind me with all that playing and foolishness. <laughs> Don't get behind me at all. Do not speak to me unless it's a greeting, which will be never. <laughs> Stop playing with me on the bus. Five, I have a short temper with people and you ruined my day <laughs> because you play too much. <laughs> Six, reread 500 times. Seven, you like me, but I don't like you. I'm too young as a boyfriend, as a girlfriend. Uh, if you break any of these rules, I'm calling my dad, my mom's friend, my fake mom, and a janitor I know. Don't mind spelling. And if you ruin my day, I'm going to have to go to counseling. <laughs> Stop playing with me. <laughs> I think this girl has learned how to draw some boundaries. Oh my God, Harry. She can she get any clearer? If this boy bothers her, he got a death wish. <laughs> he got a death wish, Harry. Yeah. If he bothers her. Sure. Right? <laughs> She's like on point. Do not bother me. Do, and then, then and then if you do, go back and read this 500 more times. Reread it 600 times. <laughs> Look. <laughs> well, I'm I, you know, I'm glad. <laughs> I'm glad that she's empowered to draw the boundaries. She ain't taking that, you know, uh, male aggressiveness from when she's, you know, in fifth grade. She's like, pump your brakes. Like, I'm not going with this. You pump gonna... your brakes. Stop touching me. You're going to stop touching me. <laughs> oh, my God, Harry. That's the best letter ever. So a uh, uh, fifth grade teacher posted it. And you know she's like, I'm dying. So funny, but but uh, not because she done she done drew a line in the sand, Harry. But that's one of our, you know, that's pro probably one of our smart kids these days, right? Because so many kids, and I shouldn't say that smart. I'm not calling kids dumb, but we're we're having an educational struggle right now, mm -hmm. and it starts here. Look, this article. Kindergarten teachers are realizing that most of their students were not potty trained. Kindergarten ki teachers are dealing with five-year-old kids who are not potty trained in diapers. First graders have pull-ups. What? Why are children not potty trained? Now, whose fault is that? <laughs> oh, that's a parent fault. Exactly. That's a parent fault, Harry. And it's just that there's a new um this is the thing that we've we're we're so scarred from our childhoods and we we're trying to avoid our kids going through the abuse or something that we went through that we have just forgot about any rules. Oh, this soft parenting life. Yeah, so many parents disagree with potty training their kids. And you have to keep your kid home. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's not happening. So these teachers are now having to deal with not only teaching the kids, 
you know, reading and write, writing and math, but actually trying to potty train them in the process. I think these parents should come to the school and change out their own children. It's crazy. Because what do you, what do you, why do you want the parent to potty train if you're not willing to potty train? What do you think the teachers are going to do? Well, uh, according to a UC Davis study, most children are potty trained by 36 months. But this new movement of parents who are not interested in um, in potty training their children until their children are ready. (laughs) Then then those, then those kids can't go to school. Simple as that, Harry. It's just, it's not a hard thing for me. If your kid is not potty trained, they cannot come to school. That used to be the rule. I mean, it used to be the rule in preschool, Babs. Yes. So it's like, yeah, your kid has to be potty trained before preschool. Who's going to take that on, Harry? Do you know how hard it is to potty train children? And to potty train a five-year-old. Because people used to, a five-year-old. Because really the rule of thumb is three years, right? You get them and then they get to go. By three. Because they got to get ready to go into preschool. They got to get ready. I remember the whole summer before they went to preschool, we spent the summer potty training. My daughter, Margo, was the easiest one to train because she was ready to get on the damn toilet. My son, Khalil, he would cry. He would carry on. It took him a long time to potty train. But he, I was like, you can't go to school if you're not potty trained. Yeah, my kid, you know, it's it's a totally different thing when you're, uh, when children make mistakes and oops, they went on themselves or they're scared of something and they go on themselves. But when they just don't know how to use the bathroom. They just don't know how to do it, Harry. You don't, and, and these parents that don't want to do it, that's laziness. Yeah. You, you are crippling your child, child. Five years old, Harry? I know. You know, both of my kids were potty trained by two years old. Bella was potty trained at about a year and a half. So... You know, we took all we, we took this serious, especially when you're poor, you can't afford diapers. You can't into, into their five years. You know, it's like, are and you that crazy? poop is looking like grown up poop. Oh no, Harry. Yeah, but when you you know how many diapers my son used to go through at at the age of one, he used to use the bathroom so much. We said, oh no, and, and he was such a mature child that um we said we're gonna try to potty train him, and he took it like that you know and my daughter she was by two she was already potty trained and bella since she was with me she got potty trained quickly oh i'm sure she was ready yeah so you know it's i I shouldn't say it's not hard but that's your role as a parent you got that's rule number one teach your kids how to use the restroom I, I don't I don't understand these Harry. Do you know how freeing it is to be able to potty train a kid? Yep, let me tell you. We used to be in the mall and Bella used to start her dance. Papa, papa. And you know, and she used to be dancing all the way to, to the restroom. And then you know, of course she used to drive me crazy because she then used to wait for me and sit on the seat. And you know I have to clean everything. <laughs> you know, drive me nuts. <laughs> Sit on the seat without me cleaning it. Oh, I know, Harry. My my daughter Brianna was good for that. 
Because she's like, I, I got to pee. And she would just, and my, my youngest daughter would do the same thing. Harry, I feel like, I felt like somebody was pouring kryptonite on me because yeah, I just it's like, oh my oh god. Oh my god, I would be in there screaming. I'm like, oh my god. They wouldn't even care. They were like the only saving grace is that men don't usually use the family bathroom. Yeah. Right. So yeah. at least you got that that it's like it's not usually a male because we're the pigs, let's face it. No, there are women pigs too, Harry. Well, I don't know. Not going there. How do you deal with, do you deal with if, the if it look if it was dry, if it was wet, they wouldn't do it. But if it was dry, yeah, they would they would just hop their little butts up there. And I'd be like, oh my God, let me let me put tissue, let me wipe it. Well, let me Right. But that's the thing. It's like there it's it's such an emergency that they're not even they're just hopping yeah. on. And it's like yeah. get to check if it was wet. <laughs> He was like, ah, what do you do? She's like, <laughs> Bella would be yeah, like, I mean, what are you gonna do? I mean, you're not gonna do? make them get off until they're done. So no, now it's like, now it's just it is it's what it's like, is. oh god. And now and then and then I get all itchy about it. I'm like, oh my god, I can't stand. I mean, I don't know it I I don't know if it's easier. I think it's easier for I think my daughter was e- easier. But my son was potty trained sooner. But I guess we didn't choose to potty train, you know, Jennifer until, you know, she was going to be in preschool. I mean, Bella was in preschool. I mean, my daughter Jennifer was in preschool early because I used to volunteer or Karen used to volunteer in the preschool. So she basically went. You know, my daughter went like four years of preschool because she was there with her brother most of the time. So it's like we were always there. We won the the parent committees and all of that stuff. So oh, okay. So we were always involved. We were, we were the parents that was like, oh my god, can you guys go home? Because we, you know, I, I'm like so super protective, overprotective. So I was always there on my spare time, or Karen was there on her spare time. You know, so but I mean that's it's important to try to do that. Oh, I'm, listen, I have served on every board that my school that my children went to, and there were still things that got past me. You know, still things that happened. Yeah, yeah. I, mean, I can only imagine the parents who never show up. Especially here, we used to be on policy council and all that stuff, trying to pay attention to what what was being fed to our kids. You know. But, um, but you know, that being said, you have that fifth grader who was very articulate. Leave me alone. You have these kids who don't know how to use the bathroom going into first grade. Some of them are wearing pull-ups. And then you have a seventh grade teacher here. Uh, where is he? Let me try to get the video. But anyway, so the seventh grade teacher is talking about he's a seventh grade teacher for the first time going into class and he has kids who are so far behind that they're at a first, second, third grade reading level in seventh grade. And he's, he's, you could tell he's frustrated. I thought I had the video, but you could tell he's frustrated. And he's like, he's like, whose fault is that? 
you bring your kid. If the last time he was able to read was fourth grade and he's in seventh grade and now he's failing everything. Whose fault is that? When did you stop paying attention that your kid was so far behind? And I, I, I mean, I, I think we, I think we have to get out of blame, and I think we have well, to because move. they're blaming him. And I know, I know, I know. Teachers, new teacher. Blame. I know, I know, I know. <laughs> I, I, I'm just saying. I think we, I think we have to move beyond this blame, and we have to move around. But, what's in the best interest of children, and how we support that? But Babs, um, I, I would I bet. Listen. I would bet that you used to read with your kids. I read, my kids are great readers. They oh, were right. they were above grade point reading. Right. So because I thing, thought that was important, I knew it was important. Right. Same thing with my kids. We always read together. They always got a bedtime story. They always look. Bella, still when she stays over, she she's gets like a story. There's, she's like, "Bubba, you're gonna read me a story, right?" <laughs> And 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 Karen's like, I yeah, I mean, <laughs> if you still want the story, I mean, it doesn't matter because Daisy and Lumi are beneficiaries of that story anyway. So, but but we've always done that. My kids had so many books by the time they were like in fifth grade. That girl, my kids had read so many books already. So it's like, and Bella right now, Bella has is stacking up a library of books she reads. That's what she does on her spare time. So it is the parents' fault. If you if your kid's in seventh, eighth grade and they're still stuck in first grade mentally, whose fault is that? That means you're not I mean, reading. I, I know, Harry, but if we if we stay in fault, we're not gonna progress. So we have to find opportunities where children are reading outside of school. That we have to create opportunities for kids to read. This is why I ran Jumpstart for Young Children because, because we understood school readiness didn't just happen in school. That school readiness happens outside of school because yes. school is only X amount of hours a day. You're at home for the better part of the time. So how do we how do we have parental involvement and community involvement with children for school readiness and reading? Um, why, when they're out of school. So they're, right. so they're and, not just reading in school for 20 minutes. Right. And Karen, like Karen was a parent involvement coordinator here in New Haven for like 10 years here. And that was the hardest thing to do. It's like to... Because you got parents who probably can't read. Or drag right. the parents into... Well, if, if they can't read, then you could get help with that too. Yes. You know what I'm saying? So it's like... It's just so difficult because, and then you look at these kids who don't know how to use the bathroom yet. So it's like, yeah, <laughs> the parents are lazy. Yeah, and so, and you know, Harry, all of that just prepares them for the school to prison pipeline. Like all these things just prepare them. You can't read by the time you're in the third grade. They're already figuring out you're gonna be in prison. If you if you can't potty train before they're five years old, you already know, Harry, you're gonna have behavioral problems from this kid right this, i mean they already got all these things studies and stuff to tell you so I, th there's a disconnect between schools and community there's a real disconnect and we and we've got to bridge it and we can't we can't build the bridge on well you're at fault and you're at fault and you're at fault because we'll be stuck in that narrative 
we'll be stuck there. And then there'll be another another generation of kids who cannot read. Do you know what the I mean? Is, um, well, look, we this is a lost generation. I, I'm I'm sorry. Unless and then then I saw today that they're thinking of moving to a four day a week uh you know school week four days. These kids need to be in there six, seven days until they catch up. <laughs> Don't do that to the kids. My 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 brother said, you know, he hears us, but he's like, if I don't work as a single parent, it's hard. But you do what you have to, and 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 so he talks about how me and my sister um, are so special. I mean, we're I don't think my sister and I are very special at all. I think we just had a mother who just just who just said this is important and this is this is this is important and then she put everything around that to support that i don't know if these parents know how to do that harry like i don't know how they well, i don't know if they know how to put these things in place well, to support look, i mean it's so hard to say the fundamentals are special you just want to have you have to kind of anchor yourself onto the fundamentals karen and i both dropped out of high school um, but one thing was clear. Our kids had to be better than us. They had to, right? So we went back to school. We both got our GEDs. We both got an associate's degree in Gateway Community College. Then I got a degree in other stuff, computer science. You know, you just keep going. But you, you want to serve as an example. Your failure shouldn't be passed down to your kids, I, I, Harry, I so agree with you, but I, but I think though, what's missing in the conversation is how do we, how do we, how do we inspire and excite parents who are, and, and because listen, it's not just poor parents whose kids can't read. It's, it's affluent kids too, right? We yeah. don't talk enough about that, but there's some of them too. So how do we, how do we inspire? Because what That's we're doing is we create Baz, I used to work in New York. I used to work 16 hours a day. I used to get home. My son was waiting to hear the jingle of my keys. Okay. He used to wait for me at the door when he used to hear the jingle. He used to be like, Daddy. And the first thing he used to do, he used to go get a book. I used to be tired as heck. And <laughs> I used to have to read that book. Mm -hmm. when I used to wake up early the few hours I used to have with him he used to turn on the TV and he used to go daddy 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 read the titles because he wanted to know what the upcoming episode of Bugs Bunny was going to be you know because they, you know, they used to give the title in the beginning yes yes daddy 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 read the title because he learned that from reading the book you could actually <laughs> You know, it's these things are so important, man. These they are, are so Harry. They important. are. I don't I mean, I think families are such under siege. And I don't say that as an excuse. I say that as we have to consider all the barriers and is and remove the barriers, as many barriers as I, we can to education. There are there are real barriers and we have yeah, to remove but them. mentally you can't serve as the barrier for your kids, you know. You look, we all struggle. We all have, you know, suffer from depression or something like that. But try, try your hardest not to pass that on to your children. 
there is hope. There are greater things to be accomplished by your children. So, I mean, I see so many parents, and you're listening to Love Bass Love Soak on WNHH. <laughs> if I go into the next hour, I go into the next hour. <laughs> but, and I'm sorry, because I come late. Who, who shows next? <laughs> um, Justin Farmer, but he's not having a live show today, so we'll interrupt this. <laughs> But the thing is, is that you we all go through so much. It can't be. And I know a lot of parents who are offended by kids that do better than them. Who look, that's that's a big mistake. You you should want your kids to be better than you. My brother said he respects you so much. It's I mean, I love you, Harry. You know, I, I'm with you more than I'm not with you. Look. So uh, I loved your story. I love the way you raised your children. I love the way that you you came Look, up and pulled Ka- yourself up. I get Karen it. Karen and I were babies. Babies struggling, coming from broken homes. The one thing we knew, I wasn't going to be like my father. There's just no way I was going to disappear on my children. And she knew from her family life structure is a totally different structure because her parents were together for a good portion of her life. But there were a lot of struggles and a lot of, I can't say her story, so I won't. Um, But the one thing we knew is that we were going to be better than our parents and our children were going to be better than us. And they are. That's the goal. Yeah. That's the, and our granddaughters, we, we, we're looking for them to achieve greater things, you know? And we're all invested in that, right? Her uncle is invested. They, everybody works as a team for my granddaughters. We all try to be whatever is needed. is needed at the time. If the parents can't do it, we try to be that. So... It's important that we invest, you know, in, in our kids because, like I said, hurdles, hurdles are made to be jumped over. They aren't made I, to I'm with over. you, Harry. I'm I'm so with you. I'm with you. I'm with you. So and this was a good conversation. I appreciate you having it. But, you know, my brother is always like, Can you start these conversations a little earlier? <laughs> well, like I said, you gotta blame Babs. <laughs> I actually have, I send a, a request to be let into the room. <laughs> Harry, if you don't stop with this. Yeah, Harry's a liar too. He's <laughs> blatant, blatant untruths, untruths, untruths and fallacies. Oh my God. Yes. So, all right. We're back. We're, we are, we are back tomorrow. We'll see what happens tomorrow, y'all. But yeah, you know. Teach your kids how to use the restroom. Right? Oh God, Harry! Right as soon as possible. We all know how much pampers diapers. I I don't. I was so grateful to get my kids potty trained. I don't understand these parents who want that to go on and on and on and on, Harry. That's for me. That's a hardship. That's a hardship when you don't have kids that are potty trained. You know, yeah, it's it's insane and an inconvenience because they just crap themselves and oh no. 
Nope, 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 nope. So, all right, we gotta get out of here. <laughs> but, but yeah, but, but that's because it's it's laziness. It is. It's lazy. I'm a, I'm agree with you on that one. Everything Harry. is you know everything is work. Your children are work. Yeah, it's work. It is. That's that's laziness. But you know what? That that work. That I've had a lot of jobs, BS jobs, and. I felt like I was doing, at the end of the day, I didn't feel like I accomplished one single thing. <laughs> Your children are different. You're accomplishing something every day. Yeah, that's true. So That is very true. And I'm going to tell you, my son Khalil was the hardest to potty train because he was developmentally delayed. He had a lot of delays. And so it was it was challenging. You know, yeah. my youngest daughter, Margo, She'd pull him off the toilet and jump on. Like, you know what I mean? Like, she was that child. And my yeah. oldest daughter was already potty trained, and my oldest son was already potty trained. Yeah, I got a nephew right now who, who acts like the toilet's going to eat him. <laughs> my son was like that. He couldn't take the noise of flushing the toilet. Yeah. He didn't like sitting on it because he didn't like the feel of it. I mean, he had a lot of developmental developmental delays. But he we got it done. You know, my ex-husband and I got it done. And my ex-husband was very, he's very, um, he was very patient with training him. He was very, very patient. Me, my nerves was like, oh God, boy, you don't get your ass you know, on that. I had to learn patience. <laughs> I had to learn patience. I was very, I say my, my son went through the hardest part of Harry. <laughs> you know, I got to apologize to him. I didn't get better till. I started getting better with my daughter. Now my grandchildren have the, the best, version, yeah, of the you, best right? version of Harry. So it's like, they got it good. Anyway, thank you for listening to Love Best Love Talk on WNHH LP 103.5 FM. Justin's show is coming. Anybody? It is coming. We're not preempting it. <laughs> no, it's, it's coming. So, you know, stay tuned. Let me play some music here. We're out.